Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, and I want to take you to a conversation that we had recently with Sean Morgan. For those of you that don't know, uh, Sean Morgan is really a brilliant leader in his own right, but he's also kind of a leader of leaders and a coach of coaches. He runs a little ministry called The Ascent, which uh, does leadership cohorts with pastors across the country, pairing people who are needing development in certain areas with people who are experts in that field. We had a great conversation with him about leadership succession and some of the things that he's seeing in the North American church, and we're excited to share that conversation with you today. Without further ado, here's Sean Morgan. Well, welcome, everybody. We have a special guest today with us on the Essential Church podcast. He's a friend that we all love and admire, respect, Sean Morgan, who leads leadership cohorts around the country. Uh, The website is ascentleader.org. We also love Sean because he is a 1996 graduate of the Air Force mm-hmm. Academy, and uh, we're big fans of what goes on there with the good stu- game last the- weekend. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you should mention that the Air Force, after a 50-year hiatus, goes to Colorado and beats the Buffs uh, at 30 to 23. And so I'm glad you knew that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but well, my uh, wife's a CU grad, so it was a big oh, it was a big deal right, on Saturday. Right. She, she wouldn't talk to me Saturday night. <laughs> So Sean, uh, Sean has been here at New Life Church leading one of those leadership cohorts. We've been fortunate enough to host that. You bring, you just seem to have access to a lot of the thought leaders, uh, a lot of pastors, a lot of influencers in the body of Christ. Seems like God's given you that opportunity to speak uh, into a multitude of churches. Uh, what I found interesting about the cohort that we hosted here was the the, um, the diversity of denominations that were there. There were um, some mainline traditional denominations and non-denominational guys that you were able to bring into a room and really bring us all together and have great conversations. So, Sean, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you today. It's great to be here with you guys. I'm I'm just amazed, actually. (laughs) Well, Sean, one of the things that uh, just happened for you, that you were able to spend some time with Kerry Newhoff and some other pastors up in Toronto, and you were mentioning to me uh, off mic earlier that y'all, you talked about a lot about trends, Mm -hmm. uh, some encouraging trends that you saw in the global church, but really the North American church, uh, and some trends that were troubling to you. Can you touch on both of those things? First, what are some trends that you find really encouraging as you look at the landscape of the American church right now? Yeah, absolutely. For me, the number one thing is the caliber of leaders that I get to be in conversation with. I meet leaders. I know a lot of leaders, but every day I feel like I meet or hear of or get connected to another leader that I am impressed that God has ordained them and equipped them uniquely to do whatever it is that they're doing in ministry. Most of the time for me, that's local churches, but that's not limited to local churches. So I am very encouraged by the obedience of, I'll just call it like upper caliber A-game leaders. And tell me, and so what 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 makes you uh, impressed by that? What is What are some of the traits you're looking at? You go, wow, that's impressive. I want you to dive, go a little deeper on that, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of our leaders are listening to this and are saying, well, I wonder, I wonder what he's, how he's evaluating that. What, mm-hmm. what, what, what impresses you? I think the first thing that impresses me is somebody who's just all in. So somebody who says, whatever it is, my yes is on the table before I understand what God's asking of me. So that's probably the number one thing. And then beyond that, it would be somebody who has influence over others and wants to steward that toward ministry of some kind. So uh, when I look at leadership, you always have to gauge that with, are people following, right? 
So you can have big ideas and you can have a big voice, but if you don't have the influence where people are following. So if I see somebody who's untethered pursuing what God's calling them with an open hand, and I see that they have influence over others, in other words, are people following, uh, those would be the first two key ingredients for me. So also you touched on um, just some things that you were troubled by. You're yeah. looking across the landscape of the church, uh, some things that maybe need to be corrected. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of those things that you've been talking yeah. about with leaders? Well, the sad part about the the A-game leader is they can get used and abused and burn out very quickly when a church gets what I would just describe as off-mission. And so how many church planners do you know that are off-mission? Well, probably not that many. Why? Mm. Because there is no establishment. Mm. So you have an idea and a personality, and you are pursuing that. Um, Fast forward— And success starts to breed complexity, which starts to strangle success. And so the thing that I think discouraged me the most is being off mission, and it happens very subtly. It's like a frog in water. It's comfort first. Comfort doesn't actually seem bad. Comfort's, well, comfortable. (laughs) And then it goes to complacency, and a church becomes irrelevant as they forget to pick up their cross daily, to pursue the Great Commission, which, as we talked about earlier on a different podcast, Brady, it starts actually with loving God and loving your neighbors. Being on mission has to have a love-centric approach, and I think the church has lost that. When you you talk about mission, I want you to define that a little better. A lot of people have different views of mission. Mm -hmm. Um, Give us some ideas of, of biblical mission as you see them, and 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 what are some of the best, give us a couple of examples of churches that you think are just dialed in on mission and and they're really hitting it out of the park. Give us a couple of examples of that. I think that that's fantastic. As I reflect on that, I would say the first thing is, is they look for needs around them and they look for Christ-centered ways to meet those. Um, And it's centered around, a lot of churches have fancy mission statements, but ultimately I believe the mission statement for the church is the Great Commission and the Great Commandment molded together. Now, you might have specific ways that your church right. is called to carry that out, and those specific ways should be based on the needs that God's placed within your view or within your reach. And that's where churches differ. So we should all be the same, and we should all be different based on the needs. So one of the questions I wonder if you could speak to, Sean, you know, there's a lot of chatter lately about the quote-unquote celebrity pastor or the mm-hmm. you know the superstar leader. So on the one hand, one of the great things about th- that's encouraging you is seeing you know top shelf leaders. Mm-hmm. But how do top shelf leaders prevent the whole church from being about them? Yeah, by empowering others and building systems. So this was another thing that came out of the conversation with Carrie. Is typically the critique about a celebrity pastor is at a pastor of a larger church, a mega church or whatever label you want to put on larger churches. But the truth is, because the size of their church, there might be a little bit more notoriety. They might have a book. They might have something else going on where you know who that is. But the truth is, the larger church pastors are often the pastors that have a better team around them. There's they allow their team to be developed and give them authority to spread their wings at a, at a caliber and a level that you don't see often in smaller churches. And in smaller churches, you often find no systems, where in larger churches you have systems. So I would actually disagree. You might use the celebrity pastor or the preacher and sneakers things and all that st- sort of stuff <laughs> to say that you could, you could put names on those and church sizes on those. But the reality of it is most often those are leaders that are 
have incredible caliber of leaders around them that they're giving more room to spread their wings, to innovate, to meet needs, to be on mission. And when they leave, there are systems there that the ministry moves forward. To describe systems, uh, again, a word that I want people to really understand what you're saying. So give us an example of a couple of those systems that you're talking about. Well, I think superficially you could say, you know, do you have ways of meeting needs for kids, for youth, for adults, and those, those sorts of things. And I think those are important, but I think it's more, I think it's deeper than that. It's more understanding like what's the job of the church, right? Um, and the job of the church is um, obviously we're going to gather, right? So a church, if a church biblically is not necessarily a 9 a.m. at Sunday morning thing, biblically a church is two or more people on mission together in the name of Jesus Christ. So what does that look like um, in terms of systems? I think it's understanding, well, what does worship look like, right? Uh, we've even talked about this in the past. What's the role of, of sacraments? Um, what's the role of leaders to rise up to embrace those things and then carry them out? Ultimately, I think the sophisticated word would be sanctification, but ultimately where leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of thirties, leaders of tens are in the right roles, helping people become more sanctified, meaning become more like Jesus. So this is Sean Morgan. You can find more information about his coaching and his cohorts on ascentleader.org. Uh, we love Sean. Uh, Sean, one of the things uh, that we're seeing is a mm -hmm. resurgence, really, of the call of pastor. You talked a lot about leader, mm -hmm. but one of our, our, our heart's desires is to see the role of pastor be reimagined and yeah. embodied into the life of the church. While that pastor may be a fantastic leader, we believe that the best leaders are pastors first. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me what you're seeing in, in the global church uh, as it relates to the, the calling of shepherd, of nurturer, of the traditional idea of pastor, do you see that uh, growing, minimizing? What do you what do you see happening in the American church for that? In the global church, I see a movement of the Holy Spirit. And I, you know, I I'm not necessarily charismatic. I'm not a cessationist, um, but I would say I increasingly see the role of the Holy Spirit um, in the lives of leaders and shepherds uh, globally and in movements even in, in the United States. Um, so when I go back to thinking about the pastor and the shepherd, at the end of the day, um, leadership in the church has to rest on the heart of a pastor. Mm -hmm. um, at the same point in time, I think if you're all pastor, if you're all shepherd, there are aspects of your work that because of buildings, because of systems and technology, um, leadership gifting is necessary. And yeah. I think that's part of why you see more co-leadership or pluralist leadership teams where you have executive pastor X, Y, and Z in different shapes and forms because they can bring their gifting and own a slice of the ministry, but they maybe are lacking in the pastoral communicator side of things. So I want to ask a question going back to something related to that, going back to what you said that you're, um, one of the negative trends that you're seeing is burnout Yep. or churches getting off mission, leaders getting off mission. Yep. Does, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that there are two elements of that. One is that they lose their sense of being a pastor to the congregation, so they've mm -hmm. become more managers. But the other side of that must also be true, that sometimes they're, maybe they're so pastoral that they're not leading the organization well. Take us into that burnout off mission thing. What's going on there? Is that... A deficiency in leadership, or is it a deficiency in pastoral care and pastoral sensibility? What's going on in that? 
I don't necessarily think it's a deficiency in either, but I think it could be a lack of focus in mm -hmm. one or the other. At the root of it, I would actually say I think the church growth movement over the last 40 years in the United States has left a lot of people feeling inadequate because of church size in some way, shape, or form. And at the end of the day, you have to do all you can do and trust God with the results. And that includes the fruit of your ministry. That includes the number of baptisms, the number of campuses, the number of people in seats, the number of people viewing online. And I think we've probably gotten off base on that. And that's put a lot of pressure on leaders to probably, maybe with pastoral gifting, to abandon some of that in yeah. the form of, well, let's try this because I know it worked down the road somewhere. And that's probably at the root of that necessarily doesn't mean that the gifting isn't there. It right. just means it's out of balance. And your, your expectations got weird. I mean, that's the weird time that we're living in right now is that you yeah. can have a church of a thousand people by historical standards. That is a great church and you mm -hmm. can still be massively discouraged. So it's sapping you at the level of your gifting and energy and you have burnout, but it's unnecessary. Absolutely. You should be really encouraged by what's happening in your church. Absolutely. And I would say a church of a thousand today is a church of 2000 in terms of influence is a yeah. church of 2000 in the early nineties Yeah. because of the frequency of attendance. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that starts to broach a whole nother subject of how does the church pioneer and innovate and stay at or ahead of culture with ministry? Um, that's a whole nother question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you talk about comfort, yeah. You know, coming to a when when you're coming into your 40s, 50s, you're you're really good at your craft. Mm -hmm. You're better than you've ever been at your craft. You're coming into your years of strength. You're coming to your years where people trust you more. Oh, you're not the young 25 year old young buck. Like, hey, we'll follow you. What are you finding or what are you seeing uh, people do to combat that comfort, the comfort that sort of lulls you to sleep? When you're talking to pastors out there who are saying, I can't, I can't go there, how are you seeing them combat that uh, temptation into comfort? Well, I think it's the comfort I described. I'm gonna, I want to unpack a little bit. Most pastors up to their 30s, 40s, I don't see that in. And many pastors, I don't see it in afterwards. I see it actually more in the collective body of the church. And I see it when a pastor um, is on mission, that there is resistance within. It's very ironic. The most mature people in the church are often the people that fight a movement toward reaching people if it's at the expense of their pet project or their pet ministry. Mm. And so that's the comfort aspect that I was getting at. It was yeah. less with the pastor. Now, yeah. I will say that I think one of the things around succession that is not being talked about, that needs to be talked about because I think it's over 90% a factor, is that 50 to 55-year-old pastors are not ready financially to retire. Not that they have to be at age 50, but they're not on a trajectory toward financial readiness for retirement. Mm -hmm. And so it may not be comfort, but I would say they're okay in leading stability, which results in their church's comfort because of job security. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it often costs the church its life. They're just their, their unwillingness to make radical changes because it's going to unsettle the status quo, which might affect the giving in the short term, yeah. but it actually propels our mission in the long term. It is a real temptation as the 52-year-old sitting here around the table knowing that I'm in the second half of my ministry career, it is a real temptation. What you're saying is true. The temptation we all face when we get into this age is to is to coast and to mm -hmm. get to the finish line, not unsettle the nest, so mm -hmm. to speak. 
But that's really the disruptive nature of the Holy Spirit and of calling and mission. If we ever lose that, we've kind of lost the fuel for the fire. We've lost the the secret sauce, really, that makes us pastors. We're we're called to be prophets, mm-hmm. and prophets were always unsettling the status quo. Prophets were always calling people to another level of of holiness. And I think I think you're right about that, Sean. You're touching on something. This is Sean Morgan. We're having the conversation with today. You can find out more about what he does for pastors around the country at ascentleader.org. Uh, Sean, when you look at uh, when you look at pastors, uh, what can elders do? practically to help pastors get ready for retirement? What are some of the practices that you're seeing among governance uh, in the local church uh, where a, th- a third party needs to get involved and help that pastor? Yeah, I think that's exactly true. Uh, elders often don't have perspective outside one local church. And so inside denominational settings, I think there's a huge advantage because often the denominational like district uh, superintendents and district leadership can speak into the elders with development and whatnot. But with a lot of churches across the country, the elders don't have any access to insight outside of what's going on in their, their own circle. And so they're not asking questions they should to be ask, asking. They're not planning and preparing in various ways. Uh, and that could be church-focused or or their pastoring of their pastor, uh, I have come to believe over the last few years that one of the best ways to combat that is for elders to have a third-party outside influencer of some kind in their eldership. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that person is a full voting elder or that they're physically present in every meeting, but somebody who understands a church of that size and complexity from yeah. another setting that can speak in, can Skype into one meeting a quarter and be a voice. And here's the deal. Sometimes that voice is saying, hey, you guys aren't doing this right. Let me speak into this. Sometimes the voice is actually saying, like, I'll give you an example, a pastor who did a capital campaign. And in this day and age, I don't see a lot of churches actually hitting their goals in capital campaigns. This pastor exceeded their capital campaign. And in this meeting, the elders were like, okay, that's great. Let's move on to the next agenda item. And a friend of mine was this third-party elder and said, hold on a second. Like, that was a year of that church leader, the whole executive team and staff. It was a year of planning, preparing, and executing a capital campaign. You got to your goal. You exceeded your goal. You have to stop and celebrate. Like, what just happened here is absolutely remarkable. So sometimes it's helping the elders understand just the success factors of let's pause and celebrate. That, that is huge. That is massive. I know our elders, we have four overseers that are active in the life of our church. Yeah. And there have been numerous times, and there are so many churches that have no third party to ask because mm-hmm. of the non-denominational world that a lot of us are living in. Those outside overseers act as presbyters, as, as bishops in some ways, uh, speaking into the life of our church. That yeah. is massive. And we, uh, a lot of us are aware of a a very well-known church in the country right now that's going through a transition. And one of the things that they're finding in the deficiency is they didn't have anyone on the outside mm-hmm. to give them advice. And that's really common. Mm-hmm. So Sean, thank you. This has been so helpful today. Sean, this has been great. We love the work you're doing around the country, Sean. Uh, love the work you guys are doing. You're behind the scenes. Sean Morgan is behind the scenes uh, in some, some really, really remarkable ways. So Sean, thanks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you on our podcast. And we'll have you back sometime soon when you're back in Colorado. Honored to be here. Thanks, everybody.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Thank you.